This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Two rather lengthy shows are on the bill tonight, so let's quickly get to the action and begin with another tale from the Inner Sanctum program. The show is entitled Shadow of Death. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. We're having a party tonight for two of my favorite corpses. I call them Romeo and Juliet. They're newly dead, you know. <laughs> yeah, she's the daughter of a famous society murderer, and he's the pride of the East Side Morgue. Oh, they're so happy together in their mausoleum built for two. And you should see the bridal casket. Shame on you, Mr. Host, making fun of such a tragedy. But, Mary, it was a touching ceremony. Of course, I stood up for the groom. Naturally, the poor fellow couldn't stand up for himself. Oh, please. (laughs) It's an occasion for tears, not for laughter. That's right, Mary. Why, when the bride appeared wearing her grandmother's shroud, everyone had to be cheered up with Lipton tea. Now, that's enough. I will not have Liptons mentioned at a time like that. Lipton tea is for people who know how to enjoy life. These are the folks who really appreciate Lipton's famous brisk flavor. Yes, that word brisk, B-R-I-S-K, makes a big difference when you're sitting down to a cup of hot tea. Brisk means that Lipton tea tastes fresh and full-bodied, never flat or wishy-washy. I wish you'd try Lipton's, folks, even if you're not a regular tea drinker, because you just don't know how good tea can be till you know how good Lipton's is. Well, Mary, let's tee off into tonight's story. It's called The Shadow of Death, and it's an original radio play by that boogie-woogie man, Robert Sloan. Yes, and our star tonight is Richard Widmark, who plays the role of Howard. All set? Then turn off the lights... And let in the shadow of death. On a lonely dirt road that borders the village cemetery, a single car slows to a stop and parks in the moonless night. Inside it, a man leans back in his seat and reaches for the hand of the girl he loves. Howard. Yes, dear? Why did you stop here? The cemetery's right over there. Oh, I didn't notice. You drove here last night, too. Did I? Yes. 
Well, you're not frightened, are you? Tonight I am. You've been so strange, so far away. I, I feel as if I hardly know you. Darling, you mustn't feel that way. What's the matter, Howard? There's something on your mind. I'm going away, Marie. Oh, no. And I'm not coming back. Howard, why? Well, I don't really know if I can explain it. It seems so incredible, and, and yet I know it must be true. What? Something I've discovered about myself. Something strange and frightening, Marie. Wherever I go, I seem to cast a shadow. A shadow of death. I... I don't understand. No, I didn't either at first. I thought it was just a strange coincidence. But it isn't. It's me. I bring death wherever I go. Oh, Howard, you don't really believe that. Well, how can I believe anything else? Haven't you noticed what happens to every living thing I have around me? No. I can't keep a pet of any kind, a cat or a dog. Even a plant dies when I have it in the house. Oh, darling, that's just your imagination. You've been working too hard. You need a rest. No, I'm going away, Marie. I don't want any harm to come to you. No, please. Nothing's going to happen to me. This is just... What's the matter? Nothing. I... I was just looking at the flowers in my corsage. Good heavens. They're dead. You don't believe me either, do you, Doctor? Well, let's not put it on that basis, Howard. After all, I've been trained to look for the physical causes of death, not the supernatural. Then what do you think I should do? Frankly, I'd like you to spend a few weeks away from these surroundings. Go up to the sanitarium I told you about. They'll take good care of you up there. All right, Doctor. I'll make arrangements to go tomorrow. But I know it won't do any good. You'll be surprised, Howard. Two or three weeks from now, you look back on this as a... Yes? That's strange. Those goldfish in my aquarium. They're all dead. Tell me the truth, Howard. Are you comfortable here in the sanitarium? They, they don't believe me. They don't believe that people die when I dream about them. People die? Yes, you... didn't you know that? Every time I have a dream about someone, it, it's a sign of death. And the next morning when I wake up, I look in the obituary column and I see the name of the person I dreamt about. Well, Howard, what have they done to you here? Nothing, only they don't believe me. The, the, the dreams, I mean. I had to prove it to them this morning. And it made me feel very bad. What made you feel bad? The dream I had last night. I killed a man, Marie. What? I killed him in my dream. Oh. He was a good friend of mine, too. He lived right across the hall. Oh, Howard, please. You've got to get hold of yourself. But I'm afraid, Marie. I don't want to dream anymore. Oh, darling, I can't bear to see you this way. What way? I'll get you out of here. I promise, Howard. I'll get you out of here today. But, Marie, there isn't a chance of getting him out. You may have to stay in this institution for months. Oh, no. Dr. Gerard, can't you see what's happening to him? He's losing his mind. Well, I know he's taken a turn for the worse. That's all the more reason for keeping him here. 
It might be dangerous to discharge him now. Then why don't you do something to help him? We're doing everything we can. It's not easy. He persists in thinking he has this strange power of death. Nobody is able to convince him he's wrong. What about the man across the hall? Howard said they were good friends. That's another thing. They were good friends. But unfortunately, that man died this morning. Ah, good morning, Howard. How do you feel today? Oh, much better, Doctor, much better. No bad spells last night? No curious moods? No, I feel fine. Almost well enough to go home. Let me look at your eyes. You will let me go home again, won't you, Doctor? Yes, Howard, of course, of course. You, uh, haven't had any of those dreams lately, have you? No, no, not for a long time. Are you sure? Well, I, uh... I did have one last night. You dreamt that someone was dead? Yes, I did. But 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 I, I, I know it's not true. It can't be true. Whom did you dream about? Marie? No, Doctor. I dreamt about you. That's why I know I'm wrong. You're alive, Doctor. Don't you understand? You've proven it to easy, me. Easy, easy now, Tell me about your dream. Well, I, I dreamt I was going home. And all the people I'd killed in my dreams were alive again. Yes, go on. Well, somehow or other, I could see my house from this window. And everything was just as it was a long time ago. The flowers were growing. The dog was in the yard. The one that was run over? Yes, everything was well again. And I was well, too. That's why I wanted to go home. But you and Marie's mother didn't want me to. She was in the dream, Marie's mother? Yes, I, I don't know how she happened to be there, but she was. That's all right, all right. Go on. Well, I started to leave, Doctor, but she held me back. She held my arms like this. And then you jumped up to ring the bell for help. But before you reached it, I was on top of you like this. Oh, I had my fingers around your throat. Oh, and I was squeezing it so hard. I could feel your windpipe bending back oh, until you couldn't breathe anymore. Hard. Oh, let go. That's what you said last night, you fool. I got, uh, you wanted me to let go. I, I, uh, I held on until your face turned as blue as it is now. It was almost black before I let you go. But first, first I made sure you were dead. And then I dropped the body. You see, Doctor, my dreams do come true. <laughs> well, have you had any good dreams lately? Howard has. And you know, his dreams don't need interpretation. No, they need cremation. <laughs> Say, it's a lucky thing that guy works on the night shift. Be awful if he had daydreams, too. <laughs> Good gracious, yes. His dreams not only walk, they commit murder. <laughs> Mary, I was about to say that. Please leave the jokes to me. How would you like it if I talked about tea? Hmm? Well, for goodness sake, I listened to the story, too. And I must say, I'm glad I'm not his, um... Dream girl. <laughs> that does it. Friends, 
Let me tell you about Lipton tea. All right, you win. But it's only because I have something important to say about Lipton's. Folks, did you know that Lipton's is the largest selling brand in the whole world? Yes, and the reason for that is Lipton's well-known brisk flavor. You know, that word brisk is the tea expert's word for tangy, full-bodied tea, for Lipton tea. Ah, Lipton's is always fresh and spirited, never flat or or wishy-washy. That's why lots of people drink it not just at mealtimes, but whenever they're taking it easy for a minute during the day. So, folks, try Lipton's and get acquainted with that brisk flavor. Well, let's get back to our dream man and find out what he does in his waking moments. When we left him last, he had just done a little manual work on Dr. Gerard's windpipe. And now, as the good doctor lies comfortably on the sanitarium floor, Howard is in the process of going through his pocket. Well, I'll have to have the keys to your car, doctor. I'll need them to get back home. I hope you won't mind if I hide you under this bed. It may take them a little bit longer to find the body if I do. Yes, who is it? Dr. Frisbee, Howard. May I come in? Well, yes. Yes, I'll open the door. What is it, Doctor? Well, I was looking for Dr. Gerard. I thought he was in here. Oh, yes, yes, he he was a moment ago. I I, I think he went down the hall. Uh, No, I just came from there. I guess he went back to his office. Oh, yes, I guess he did. How are you making out, Howard? Fine, fine, Doctor, fine, fine. You seem a little nervous. Your hands are shaking. Oh, well, I... You see... Dropped your keys. I'll get them. It's all right, Howard. I wasn't going to take them away from you. But I am wondering how you happen to have any keys in your possession. Well, they're, uh, they're, they're not really mine. Well, whose are they, Dr. Gerard's? Uh, yes, yes, he, he left them here. I, I mean... You he... mean uh, you stole them from him? No. Now, come, Howard. You can't expect me to believe Dr. Gerard would give you any keys. Now, you'd better let me have them so I can give them back. But I, I didn't... Let me have them, Howard. Thank you. You won't tell him I took them, will you? No, Howard, I won't tell. But uh, please don't take them again. I'll go anyway. I'll get out onto the road and I'll get a hit, yes, sir. I'll get away. I've got to speak to Marie. Going down, mister? I guess not. I guess I'm a... Oh, oh, here comes another one. Hey, stop! Give me a ride, will you? Give me a ride, please, mister? Oh, he's stopping. Hey, hey, wait for me, will you, mister? I'm coming. I'll be right there. Oh, gee, thanks, mister. You going into town? Yes, Howard. But you're not. Oh, Dr. Frisbee. Yes, I've been watching you ever since you took those keys. I thought you'd try something like this. Well, I... I had to, doctor... I understand. Better get in the car, Howard, so we can talk this thing over. All right. You know, it's silly to run away from our place up there. If you really want to go home, all you have to do is ask. I did ask. When? This morning. Oh, wait a minute. Don't start the car. Why not? There's a truck coming. In back. Where? Howard, let go of me, Howard! Got to have this car, Doctor. When I... Finished with it, I'll return it to you. 
Hello? Hello, Mrs. Walker. Who's this? Howard. You remember me, don't you? Howard, where are you? In a telephone booth around the corner. You're not in the sanitarium? No, I've been discharged. Dr. Gerard said I could go. You mean you're well again? Yes, I'm completely cured. Oh. Oh, I see. You don't sound very happy about it, Mother. Where's Marie? She's, uh, she's out on a date. When will she be back? Well, I, I don't know, Howard. She, she didn't say. I've got to see her again, Mrs. Walker. I've got to see her once more before I die. Before you die? Yes, I haven't much longer to live. Now, where is she? Well, I, uh, I, I think she said she was going to movies. You're lying. I'm not, Howard. I, I, I just can't be sure. But if you go to the theater, you, you might find her there. You don't want me to see her, do you? Uh, no, not until I've spoken to Dr. Gerard. Why? Don't you believe me? Don't you believe I'm well again? No, Dr. Gerard... Never mind what he said. Mrs. Walker, you mustn't dislike me. I'm very fond of you. You... you are, Howard? Yes. I've been thinking a lot about you lately, while I was in the sanitarium. Last night, I even had a dream about you. Keep bringing that number, operator. I've, I've got to locate Dr. Gerard. Why the hurry, Mrs. Walker? Howard, how did you get in here? Through the back door. Put that phone down, please. But I... Put it down, I said. Yes, yes. You lied to me about Marie being at the movies, Mrs. Walker. I, I didn't mean to, Howard. I, I told you I wasn't sure she was there. Where is she? This time I've got to know. Howard, how dare you? Take your hands off me. I'm not in a gentle mood, Mrs. Walker. I'm fighting against time. You've done something wrong, Howard. You've escaped from the sanitarium. No, I've done more than that, Mrs. Walker. I've killed a man. Howard. Two men, three men. I, I can't remember how many it was, but... There's going to be one more. How do you wouldn't kill me, would you? Wouldn't I? What have you done to deserve your life? Uh, there, Let it ring. But, but that may be my call. Your call is coming now, Mrs. Walker. Howard, please. Put down that knife. Will you tell me where Marie is? I told you, I don't know. I don't know. And I'll wait for her. Right here. Howard, you can't. No, no, you can't. Yes, I can, Mrs. Walker. Hello? Hello, this is Dr. Frisbee, sanitarium calling. Is Mrs. Walker there? I'm sorry. You have the wrong number. Marie, darling. What? Why, Howard. Howard, what are you doing here? I've been waiting for you to come home, darling. Aren't you glad to see me? Oh, yes, of course I am. It was such a surprise I couldn't catch my breath for a minute. Where's Mother? Upstairs. Why? Why, oh, I just wanted to know. You had no other reason? No. Howard, why are you staring at me? I'm not really staring. I'm just looking at you, darling. 
It's been such a long time since I've seen you. I'd almost forgotten what you were like. Well, uh, let's go inside. No, if you don't mind, darling, I'd rather go for a ride. You're... You're all right, aren't you, Howard? I, I mean, you're, you're completely well now. Oh, can't you see I am? Uh, yes, but I... Yeah. Then let's not wait any longer, darling. Come on, we'll go for a ride. Getting late, Howard. Don't you think we ought to go back? No, not yet, Marie. You just keep driving. These few moments we have together, maybe I'll... Marie, why are you stopping here? Uh, we're low on gas, dear. I, I don't want to get stuck on the highway. Oh. Yes, Willoughby. Uh, uh, you better fill her up. All right. And uh, have you got a telephone here? Yes, I'm right inside. Thank you. Wait a minute, Marie. What do you want with a telephone? Oh, I was going to call my mother. She'll be worried about me. Oh, no, she won't. She knows you're with me. <laughs> Besides, uh, she went out for a little while. Well, maybe she's back by now. It won't hurt to call, will it? No, I guess it won't. I'll be right back, Howard. Well, hurry, darling. I want to be with you as much as I can. Yes, I won't be a minute. Operator, quick, get me the police. This is an emergency. Yes, ma'am, right away. Headquarters, Sergeant Dent speaking. Sergeant, listen carefully. I won't have time to repeat it. The murderer of Dr. John Gerard is right here in a filling station on Route 6 at the Hadley intersection. What shall I do? I can't keep him here. Does he know you're on to him? No. No, he doesn't know I read the story in a newspaper just before I got home. He was waiting there for me, and I haven't been able to get to a phone since. Well, don't take any chances. He's a homicidal maniac. Don't even try to stall him if he wants to leave. No. Just stay where you are and we'll be over there in four minutes. Oh, no, no, that's no good. He won't let me stay here. He'll take me with him. Marie. Oh, he's calling for me now. Marie. Just a moment, Howard. What can I do, Sergeant? What can I do? Give me a description of the car, quick. It, it's a dark blue sedan. License number 468J3. We've been going east on Route 6. Oh, I can't talk anymore. He's coming. Marie, for heaven's sake, what kept you so long? Oh, I had a hard time getting the number the... There was something wrong with the lines. But you were talking to somebody. Yes, I, I was speaking to Mother. You were speaking to your mother? Yes. She told me not to stay out too late. You're lying, Marie. No, I'm not, Howard. I talked to her. You talked to the police. That's why you lied to no. me. No. You did. Your mother's dead. Howard. I know, because I killed her. Howard. Be quiet. Get back into the car. You're coming with no. me. No, no, Howard. You're hurting my arm. Get back in the car. Hey, you leave her alone. Keep out of this, you fool. Leave her alone. I told you to keep out of this. Oh, I know. Hey, put down that wrench. I'll put it down. Oh, oh, oh. oh good you... Never mind. Get into the car. Howard, why are you stopping here? Don't you know where we are, Marie? This is the cemetery. Where we stopped before. Yes. I like it here. It's so quiet and peaceful among the dead. Let's walk through the grounds. Howard, please. Why not, Marie? We're among friends. So many of our loved ones are buried here. It's nice to be near them. Come on, Marie. All right, Howard. You know, darling, we haven't much more time together. The shadow of death has fallen across our path. 
You said something like that before, but you never told me why. I'm being selfish, Marie. I know I have to die, and I want you to come with me. Why do you have to die, Howard? Because I... I haven't been true to myself, darling. I haven't been true to this power I have. The power of death? Yes. I've helped it along sometimes. Like that dream I had about my friend in the sanitarium. Like the flowers in my garden. Like those fish at Dr. Gerard's. You killed them? Yes. I knew they were going to die. But I shouldn't have helped them. That's why I'm being punished. But Howard, why are you punishing me? I don't want to die alone, Marie. We've been away from each other so much, darling. I I want us to be together from now on. But... Don't be afraid, darling. I'll be gentle, Marie. So gentle. But you're making a mistake, Howard. No. You are. You've forgotten what you've done. You can't kill me, darling. Why not? My good heavens, Howard, don't you remember... Don't you remember that day at the sanitarium? You said you dreamt about me. No. No, I couldn't have. Yes, you did. Didn't they tell you what happened? No. Your dream. Your dream, it was true. That's why you can't kill me now. Marie, you... You mean... Yes, Howard. I'm dead. I can't believe it. Oh, you must believe it. Here. Here. Look at this tombstone. My grave is right here. No. Read what it says. Read the name on it. It's your name, Marie. Your name. Marie Walker. Yes. Then you... Then you really are dead. I told you I was, Howard. The shadow of death passed over me. Then let it pass over me. Hey, got him, Sam. Got him the first shot. Keep out of the way, miss. He may not be dead yet. No, I... I'm sure he's dead. Well, you certainly had a close call. Took us all this time to locate your car. Finally spotted it on the road. You all right? Yes, I'm all right. Yeah. The name of my grandmother's tombstone saved me. How's that? Oh, it doesn't matter. Say, that's funny. What? This guy was shot through the shoulder. My bullet wounds weren't serious enough to kill him. What do you mean? Well, I know it sounds crazy, but my shots didn't kill him. He was dead before I hit him. What a shame. Wasting two perfectly good bullets on a guy that was dead all the time. Well, at least they won't have to go far to bury him. Here's one villain who died practically in the middle of his own plot. <laughs> Isn't it funny how many of our stories seem to take place in cemeteries? You know, Mary, I think you ought to open up a concession in the cemetery... And you know what you could sell, hmm? Don't say it, don't you dare. You know very well that the place to buy Lipton tea is and always will be your neighborhood grocery store. 
And, folks, that reminds me. You'll find it wiser to buy Lipton's in the larger, more economical size packages. That way you not only save money, but you also make sure that you won't run short on a beverage that's really a household necessity. Brisk-flavored Lipton tea. Before I put the skeletons back in their closets, I'd like to give you a parting word of advice. A body should never be left alone at the morgue at night. After all, it might become slab happy. <laughs> oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is The Whistling Legs by Roman McDougald. Yes, and let me tell you about next week's Inner Sanctum story. Directed by Hyman Brown... And brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. You know, usually our stories are about people who live six feet under the ground. But for next week, we've dug a lot deeper. In fact, it takes place in China. <laughs> and as a special added attraction, we've unearthed a new kind of character for you. Unearthed is right. This guy's been dead for 20 centuries. <laughs> And now it's time to close the squeaking door, so good night. Pleasant dreams. And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for the Screen Guild Theater next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for a presentation of the Screen Guild Theater, a series broadcast from 1939 to 1952 during the golden age of radio. Leading Hollywood stars performed adaptations of popular motion pictures. Fees that would ordinarily have been paid to the stars and the studios were instead donated to the Motion Picture Relief Fund and they were used for the construction and maintenance of the motion picture Country House. Here's the production of Can We Forget? Welcome, everybody. Tonight, your neighborhood good golf dealer joins the golf companies in presenting the third in a new series of programs. Reviews, musical comedies, and dramatic shows, all the varied entertainment forms of Hollywood. So welcome all of you to the motion picture star's own program, The Golf Screen Guild Show. With Betty Davis, Robert Montgomery, Basil Rathbone, Louise Beaver, Oscar Bradley, and Hollywood's favorite master of ceremonies, George Murphy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the third Screen Guild show, Hollywood's own program, written, directed, and acted by the greatest names in the motion picture industry, for the benefit of the Motion Picture Relief Fund. Each week, we present a different type show with a different cast of stars. Last week, a musical comedy. Next week, a review starring Mary Boland, Marlena Dietrich, Frank Morgan, and Cliff Nazaro. Tonight, it's a drama, Can We Forget, directed by Frank Capra and written by Mary McCall, Jr., under the musical direction of Oscar Bradley.
were invited to a gay party at an exclusive hotel on Park Avenue, where the most photographed, the most discussed, the most envied debutante of the season, Hilda Rutherford, played by Betty Davis, is having her coming out party. Among her many admirers in the stag line is a young man named Alan Barker, played by Robert Montgomery. Dancing with Hill at the moment is Paul Ferguson, enacted by Basil Rathbun. Lights. Music. Curtain. Now, if the stag line doesn't discover this alcove for a minute, perhaps I'll be allowed a few steps with you. Oh, it's a lovely party, Hilda. Do you think so, really, Paul? Well, don't you? Oh, it's wonderful to me. I love the whole silly business. Being rushed, being stared at. Makes up for all the black times of childhood. Like the years I had to wear bands on my teeth. Oh, you never did. (laughs) I did so. And I (laughs) lift. You know, Paul, I didn't think you'd come tonight. Whatever put that into your head? Oh, I was afraid you were above Deb parties. Aren't you always merging companies and sitting on boards? Oh, sounds like a very uncomfortable position. Perhaps that's why I was afraid you wouldn't ask me. Not ask you? Paul. Well, a man of 35 must appear to you to be on the very brink of his dotage. May I cut in, please? Oh, uh, I'll allow it only if I may have the supper dance with you, Hilda. It's a bargain. Don't forget. I won't. Oh, but you will, though. I will what? Forget whatever it is. You'll only remember me. I don't remember meeting you. You haven't. We dance well, don't we? Well, if I've never met you, I couldn't have asked you to my party. That's right. You would ask. No, I won't ask. You crashed my party. Yes, but I did it so neatly. More like an incision than a crash. You know, uh, you're not as pretty as your pictures. Mister, whatever your name is, but I... But you're uh... much livelier. Makes you shine, kind of. Get your coat, Hilda. Get my coat? What on earth are you talking about? About getting your coat. We can't talk here. This place is full of people. Yes, it's full of people. Full of my guests, my invited guests. And if you think I'm going to leave here with you, you're out of your mind. I never heard such a noise! No, of course not. She's unique. Did she always do that? Yeah, mostly. I call her the Blue Arrow. I bought her on time, my freshman year in college, for $23. <laughs> What's that, a radio? Certainly it's a radio. But no brakes. No. No, I drag one foot on the hills. <laughs> Hilda, tell me what you like. What do you mean, tell me? Now, don't start that again. I want to know what you like. Food, books, anything. Well, well, I like cream cheese and fur bedroom slippers. The smell of heliotrope, horses... Flagstaff's voice, Helen Hayes. What on earth am I doing this for? Because I asked you to. Now, I'll tell you what I like. I like the west front of the Parthenon. Oh, by the way, I'm an architect. Just out of the shell, but <laughs> boy, am I talented. You know, you must try to get over that inferiority complex. It doesn't do to be too much. Don't interrupt. And I like English shoes and eggs Benedict and uh, kissing a girl in the cold and the Mohawk Valley in May and... Oh, Hilda, you're a swell girl. Will you marry me, Hilda? What's your name? Alan Baker. What's that got to do with it? Alan Baker. I think you're the freshest, rudest, most conceited puppy I have ever met. And I wouldn't marry you if you were the last man in the world. And whom God hath joined together, 
let no man put asunder. This carriage will never take the place of your automobile, darling. Does the horse also park? Well, he's an English horse. I say, old fellow, uh, cease walking. Now, desist. Relax. Halt. Why don't you just say, whoa? <laughs> you make everything so simple, dear. You happy, Hilda? Oh, yes, Alan. I'm so happy I could purr. Well, go ahead. Purr. It's a mighty poor purr. <laughs> How about a little music? Crazy, not you like that funny little phonograph all over the music. Sure, you know the old saying. She shall have music wherever she goes. You were playing that song when you first spoke to me, darling. Uh-huh. That's why I like it. Hilda, if I say something, don't laugh at me, will you? Oh, no, I'll never laugh at you when you're serious. Well, all that... That dizzy business the night we met, dragging you out of your party, that was because I was scared. Scared? Sure. If I'd had someone introduce me, I'd have been just another guy. I had to shock you, make you laugh, make you mad, because I had to have you. But, darling, you'd never seen me before. No, no, I crashed your party to see the girl who was in all the papers. And there I found you, darling. Hilda, no matter how gay you are, or sad, or anything, you make me feel you're only using part of it. There's so much more to you. I knew that night that I couldn't let anyone but me... Oh, Hilda, always love me. Oh, yes. Yes, I'll always love you, Alan. Even when we're both old, my heart will still jump when I see you. You said that night I had a kind of... Well, that I saw it shown. That's only when I'm with you. That's only because of you. Now, these are the place plates, Camille. Yes, um... When you take off the soup plates, you leave the place plates. Just leave them set? Yes, that's right. Oh. Then you exchange them one by one for the hot dinner plates. Miss Baker, why don't you all just have a lap supper? <laughs> well, Camille, because Mr. Baker is bringing home a client. Yes, um, but a lap supper don't take so much swapping. <laughs> only hired out to you for cleaning, Miss Baker, for waiting, you should have had my cousin Octavia. <laughs> you can do it, Camille, if you'll only just try. Now, once again, the place plate. Oh, dear, see who it is. Yes, sir. Only if it's the ice cream, it'll be all too much by the time. Yes, sir. Mrs. Baker? Well, I don't think she want to see nobody. We got a company dinner on uh, hand. Yes, yes, but I'm the company. Uh, may I come in? Who is it, Camille? Hello, Hilda. Paul? Yes. Paul Ferguson, are you... You're not Alan's client, Mr. Ferguson. Yes, why not? Let me look at you. Oh, you look lovely. No, lovelier. You're very happy, aren't you? Oh, yes, we're very happy. Sit down, won't you? Thanks. Paul, um... Paul, tell me something. Do you honestly want Alan to do your house? Because if it's to help him because of me, well, Alan and I couldn't accept that. Oh, don't be silly. I like his work enormously. He has taste and originality. 
And his plans are practical. Oh, he is a grand architect. Well, then? Then it's all right. Paul, why didn't you come to our wedding? Uh, I, uh, I was away. I couldn't get back in time. In here, darling. Paul's here. Paul? Paul? Paul who? Oh, hello, Mr. Ferguson. Hello. Alan, you idiot. Why didn't you tell me it was Paul Ferguson? I've known him forever. Oh, my dear child, a struggling architect doesn't call his clients by their first names. He was Mr. Ferguson to me. In fact, he was Mr. Ferguson. God bless him to me. (laughs) Oh, Miss Baker? Yes, come in. Miss Baker, I'm afraid you're often have to do without them place plates. Oh, Camille. Well, well, I told you if it was waiting you wanted, you should have had my cousin Octavia. <laughs> now, nurse. Yes, Mr. Baker, you may see her now. Hilda. Hilda. Hilda, it's a girl. Did you want a boy, Alan? You'd never tell me which. No, no, I I wanted a girl so there'd be two of you. Was it very bad? No. Have you seen her, Alan? You bet I have. Is she all right? Alan, I don't lie to you. Is she perfect? Perfectly beautiful. What do you see for yourself? You want to see for yourself? Could I? Yes. The nurse is bringing her. Here she is. Uh, I'll, uh... I'll take her, nurse. Keep your hand under her head. Sure. Nurse? Yes, Mrs. Baker? Could we have her by ourselves? Just for a minute. Of course. I'll wait outside. Oh, Ellen. She is beautiful. Gee, I had no idea they were born with fingernails. (laughs) Ellen? Well, I mean, not like that. Is Is it okay to touch her? Yes. Well, you feel that skin, though. Say, is she doing that? Of course. Well, isn't that pretty advanced? I mean, most kids don't cry right off like that, do they? Oh, darling. I'm sorry to blubber like this. So wonderful. Yeah. Well, what do you think I'm doing? Now, why don't you come right out and admit you take three sugars? I don't. Two in and one on the side. But you always put the side one in. (laughs) You mind your own business. (laughs) I gotta go, sweet. I'll just look in and see Carol. Is that tooth still bothering her? It's through. No kidding. Go look at it. Oh, but don't put your finger in her mouth. She'll snap at you. (laughs) (laughs) Kiss? Thank you. Now, don't forget the new dress. Oh, not a chance. What color? Any color. uh, So long as it's red. (laughs) Bye, darling. Goodbye, you darling. Camille? Yes, sir. Yes, Miss Baker. Camille, I want to plan a nice dinner tonight because uh, tomorrow night Mr. Baker's taking me out. <laughs> it sure is a treat to watch Mr. Baker eat. I likes a hearty man. My husband was the picky kind. <laughs> well, I'll make out a list and call you, Camille. Yes, sir. Soup, soup. Beautiful soup, so rich and green. Da-da. Did you call me, Miss Baker? Oh, no, Camille, that was singing. <laughs> you certainly feel good this morning. Camille, I feel so good that if I felt any better, I'd bust. Carol has a tooth, Mr. Baker has a new house to do, 
Tomorrow's our second wedding anniversary, and I'm going downtown to buy a new dress. Oh, Camille, make one of your lemon pies tonight, will you? <laughs> yes, sir. I'll get it, Camille. Soup, soup, beautiful soup, so much and Hello. Yes? Yes, this is Mrs. Baker. I'm sorry you have to speak very slowly. Oh, but you see, it can't be. You see, he just left. So it can't be. Oh. Oh, I'll be right there. Miss Baker. Oh, he just left. Camille, you know, he only just left. They said he was crossing to the subway. But he was here only a minute ago. Camille, that man said my husband is dead. Alan! You have just heard Act One of Can We Forget with Betty Davis, Robert Montgomery, Basil Rathbun, and Louise Beavers. Now, before we raise the curtain on Act Two, we'll hear a few words from Johnny Conti. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I wish that I could personally introduce to each one of you the good golf dealer in your neighborhood who helps make this program possible. But since I can't, why, I hope you'll take the opportunity of meeting him yourself the next time you're near his service station. You'll find that your golf dealer is a mighty good neighbor. An independent merchant who conducts his business to give you and your car the best in service as well as the best in automotive products. So next time your car needs gasoline or motor oil, visit your good golf dealer. Your motoring needs will receive prompt, courteous attention at the sign of the Gulf Orange Disc. the curtain is about to rise on the second act of our play, Can We Forget? Hilda Baker has been left alone with her baby daughter, Carol, after the sudden death of her husband, Alan. Hilda's old friend, Paul Ferguson, and Camille the maid are the only ones left to help her forget the tragedy. Lights. Music. Curtain. Miss Baker, Mr. Ferguson is here to see you. Tell him to go away. Hilda. That's all right, Camille. Yes, sir. Paul, please go away. You've been sending me away for six months. Paul, you've been so wonderful. But I just want to be alone, please. Hilda, believe me, I know how you loved Alan. I love him now. Just because he's dead doesn't change anything. Why can't I be dead, too? Don't say that. It's true. But you have Carol to think of. I've tried, Paul. How can I think when I keep hearing it over and over? I wake in the night hearing it. Hearing what, Hilda? That voice on the phone. That man telling me, Mrs. Baker, prepare yourself for a shock. Prepare myself. Stop, Hilda. Yes, I know. Carol Saker must stop remembering. But, Paul, I hear it. I hear it over and over and over and over. Hilda! Now you ought to dry your eyes and come out for a drive with me. Oh, Paul. I can't. You must. Do you understand? You're going to have dinner with Mr. Ferguson again? How did you guess, Camille? 
He's been doing that pretty regular for three near years now, ever since Mr. Yes, Camille. One of these days, I expect he's going to ask you to marry him. Yes. Yes, I suppose he will. You suppose he will? Well, excuse me for speaking right out, Miss Baker, but you ought to hope he will. Yes, I guess you're right. I ought to hope he will. I do, Camille. There he is. Let him in, will you? Yes, um, when he say he'll be here at 7 o'clock, he means two minutes after. Hello, Camille. Good evening, Mr. Ferguson. Hello, Paul. Oh, I like that blue dress. I only hope these will match. Flowers again? Oh, Paul, you should. Oh, why not? They grow only for people like you. That's a very pretty speech, Mr. Ferguson. My, oh, my. White orchids. Hi, Paul, I haven't had white orchids since... Uh, not since my debut. I'm glad you like them, dear. Where's Carol? In bed. Of course, she wanted to stay up and see you. Ah, <laughs> good for Carol. Come on, dear. This is an important occasion tonight. Mario has a very special, special dinner waiting for us. Wish me luck, Camille. I sure does. I sure does, Mr. Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> They say that the honeymoon's over and married life begins with your first breakfast in your own house. In such a beautiful house. Alan enjoyed so much planning it for you. Toast, Mrs. Ferguson? Yes, thank you. Just wait till you see that terrace in the spring. There are bulbs scattered all through the grass. I know. I remember Alan saying they'd bloom next year. With those long windows open, it'll be like eating our breakfast out of doors. Yes. Alan planned that too. What? I thought I heard someone. Someone whistling. No, I don't hear anything. No. I guess it was my imagination. Or someone passing on the road. That hedge makes us very private. Alan always said that the planting was part of the house. Hilda. What? What did you say, Paul? What? I... I didn't say anything, dear. Oh, I, I thought... That white birch by the library bay was on the plan the first time he showed it to me. Because you like white birches? Yes, because I... Darling, darling, what's the matter? No, nothing. Nothing, Paul, I... Uh... Sugar? Oh, don't you remember me? I'm Paul, the man who hates sugar in his coffee. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Whatever am I thinking of? You were thinking of me. Two lumps in, one on the side. But you put the side one in. Hilda, Hilda, what is it? Aren't you feeling well? Yes, yes, I'm all right, Paul. Remember that last breakfast? We had such fun being in love. Yes, such fun. Darling, darling, there is something wrong. No, I... Uh... Good morning, Mother. Oh, good morning, darling. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Missy. <laughs> That's a funny name. Oh, well, you're a funny girl. She just cut her first tooth. We were so proud of her, remember? Hilda. Remember Hilda in the hospital? Her first cry. And I said... Alan. I mean... I mean, Paul, excuse me. I... Hilda, 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 where are you going? Hilda! Oh. Is he taking my place? With Carol? With you? No. No, Alan. Nobody could take your place. She's part of us. She grew from our love. Hilda! Hilda, what is it? What's troubling you? Please. Please, just leave me alone, Paul. No. If there's anything wrong, I want to know what it is. Perhaps we shouldn't have come to this house. Perhaps it's tied up with the past. Things that you must forget. Can you forget, darling? 
Our years. We'll go Always. away. No, I can't. We'll go away for a while, Hilda. And, and when we come back, I'll get you a new house. I feel at home here. No, no, we'll have a new house for a new life. Suppose, um, well, suppose in the meantime we run down to Bermuda. Riding in a funny carriage, swimming in the moonlight. No. No, Paul, not Bermuda. Let's, let's go to Sun Valley. You see, uh, see, I've never been there. Well, whatever you like, dearest. Of course, we'll have to be back by Christmas. Oh, yes. Yes, by Christmas. I wouldn't miss the holidays with our little girl. Our little girl, Hilda. Yes. Our little girl. Our little girl. Here, darling. It's Christmas morning. Christmas is the time for families. Alan, I want to be with you. I'm here. I'm with you when you call me. Oh, not like that. All the time. The way it used to be. The way it should be. I've tried to make a new marriage. I shouldn't have, Alan. I can't be married to anyone but you. You're coming to me, aren't you, darling? Yes, sir. I'm coming to you. Leave Carol. Oh, that's wrong, isn't it? I can't help it. I'll drink this now. It won't hurt very much. It'll be a quick off of me. Maybe I'll be afraid. But not in my heart. Because I want to be with you, my darling. I must be with you. Hello, Mother. Carol. Did you get up early to see your presents, too? Oh, Carol, darling, you were... You mustn't be down here. Go back to bed, please, Carol. But, Mother, it's Christmas. Can I open Paul's present? Please, Mother. Well, all right, darling. But I'd better light the fire. It's so cold here. There's my present. What does it say on it? To Carol from Santa Claus and Paul. Paul did give my, my letter to Santa Claus. Oh, Paul's the most wonderful daddy in the world. Carol, Paul isn't your real father. I know. You told me. But Paul's my father now. Oh, but you're real, Father. How you would have loved to. Please open Paul's present, Mother. All right. There it is. Don't get too close to the fire, Carol. But it's just what I asked for in my letter. Look, Mother. You see, Ellen, she doesn't remember. No, she doesn't remember. Then it's all right for me to leave her, isn't it? She's happy here with Paul. Hilda, the tree, the fire. Carol, Hilda... Hilda, darling. You feeling better? Oh, where is she? Is she badly burned? She'll be all right. Oh, let me go to her. It's my fault. I let the fire and the tree fell. Lie, lie still, lie still. The doctor dressed her leg. She didn't even cry. Just lie back, darling. I'll get you some water. Hilda. Yes, Alan? You called him, you know. You were talking to me. But in that danger, you called Paul. Why? Why, yes, I did call Paul. 
And that's right, Hilda. Because he's alive. You've kept me here. But I don't belong. I'm in the past. No. Yes, Hilda. I haven't been here except in your mind. You must forget, as Carol has forgotten. I can't. You must. Hilda, let's say all our words very quickly and for the last time. For the last time? Remember that first night when I cut in? May I cut in, please? I don't remember meeting you. You're not as pretty as your pictures, but you're livelier. It makes you shine, kind of. What's that, a radio? Certainly a radio. But no brakes? I drag one foot on the hills. Oh, Hilda, you're a swell girl. Will you marry me, Hilda? Even when we're both old, my heart will still jump when I see you. Oh, Ellen, she is beautiful. Gee, I had no idea they were born with fingernails. Kiss? Thank you. Now, don't forget the new dress. Not a chance. What color? Any color, so long as it's red. Goodbye, darling. Hilda. I said goodbye, darling. I can't say it. Say it, Hilda. Quickly. Say it. Say it. Goodbye, darling. Say it. Goodbye, darling. Alan. Goodbye. You darling. of ceremonies, but rather as one of the millions who heard this play tonight, I want to say that I shall never forget the performance just given by Betty Davis, Bob Montgomery, Basil Rathbun, and Louise Beavers. And a special bow to the writer, Mary McCall, Jr., and the director, Frank Capra. It has indeed been a privilege to be associated with them on this, the Screen Guild's own program. Ladies and gentlemen, we feel it worthy of note that the money paid by the Gulf Oil Companies to the stars and feature players on this program is turned over to a special fund to build a home for the care of aged and indigent people from all branches of the motion picture industry. <clears throat> the famous stars who are our guests tonight donated their services. Every single dollar they would ordinarily receive for themselves is being turned over to this fund. The Gulf Oil Companies, your neighborhood good golf dealers, and all of us here in the studio are proud to take part in such a worthwhile project. We sincerely hope you enjoy this new kind of radio entertainment made possible by the motion picture industry, the Gulf Oil Company. This is George Murphy saying thank you and good night. Next week, same time, same station, the good golf dealer in your neighborhood joins the golf companies in welcoming you to another Screen Guild show. A review with a lot of fun with Mary Boland, Marlena Dietrich, Frank Morgan, and Cliff Nazaro, written by Ken Englund and directed by W.S. Van Dyke. We are grateful to Warner Brothers for Betty Davis, soon to be seen in Dark Victory, to MGM for George Murphy, and for Robert Montgomery, who has just completed Fast and Loose. John Conti speaking. I'll follow my secret heart is from Conversation Peace. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
thank you very much for listening. I hope you'll join me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.